for me, running as a way to achieve goals. And just, I love that process of training. I love the fact that like goals really can be endless if you really put your mind to it, a way to keep myself better every day. So I love sharing that gift with other people as a coach. So here's the question, how do runners like us remain active, get stronger and heal from injuries without being told to stop running and create a healthy life for ourselves so we can continue to hit PRs well into our 40s and 50s? This is the question, and this podcast is the answer. My name is Dr. Dwayne Scotty, physical therapist, running coach, and creator of Spark Physical Therapy, where we help active adults be able to run without aches and pains so you can feel good about yourself again. Welcome to the Healthy Runner Podcast. Welcome and thank you for tuning in to episode 44 on the Healthy Runner Podcast. I have a special guest with me today, run coach Mary Johnson, who is founder of Lift, Run, Perform as my special guest for this week's live training. And she's going to share her best tips for helping us run through this crazy 2020 winter of COVID-19. Mary is a run coach who helps runners embrace and find joy in the process and has a passion for helping runners stay strong so that they can run faster and perform better. Welcome to the show, Mary. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, I am super excited that you are here as well. Um, so I want to know today, guys, are you a fair weather runner? Are you wondering how to run in the winter if you've never run in the winter before? Um, you might have started running during this crazy year of COVID, and this is your first winter running. So we are going to get into all of that um, today. You might be wondering, is it bad for you to run in the cold? Are you wondering what you should wear when running in the cold? So in this episode, Mary is going to be sharing with us some tips for running in the cold so we can stay healthy this winter and still being able to run during the colder temperatures and the coronavirus pandemic. First and foremost to everyone, um, I just wanted to take this moment as it is Thanksgiving Eve for on this Thanksgiving to just remember how fortunate I am to share my love and help for running with such an amazing community. Um, as we celebrate Thanksgiving in yet another unprecedented time, uh, know that I am thankful for all of you in our Healthy Runner community and being able to share your joy and love for running with me. So thank you for listening to the show. And we are 44 weeks into this journey and 44 episodes in. So if you really don't like whatever uh, we have to cover today on the show, you at least have to give me a little credit for showing up each and every week for you. And I thank you all for showing up and listening uh, to these episodes, whether it was during your run, in your car, during your commute, maybe doing some yard work. I like to listen to podcasts during my yard work. I'll be listening to some in my ears while I'm putting up my Christmas lights this weekend. Um, so I just want to let you know, I'm thankful for all of you. And by the way, I love to hear um, from you and from the listeners. So please Take a screenshot of this episode, tag me in a post on Facebook or in your Instagram story um, at Spark Your Training and let me know what you like most about the show. So I hope all of you have a happy, healthy and enjoyable Thanksgiving with your family, even if it's smaller this year um, to all of my running friends. So without further ado, let's get into this episode. So we are going to start with our dynamic warm up. 
every run coach, Mary, likes a nice dynamic warm up before your runs, right? So tell us where are you from and uh, what do you do? I am from Hamden, Connecticut. Uh, so right where Mr. Scotty is from as well. Um, I am the owner of Lift and Perform, an online running and lifting coaching service. And I have a 16 month old son um, and a cat and a husband. All in that order. <laughs> yeah, in that order. I was, uh, yeah, the, the husband shouldn't go last. He actually does quite a bit around the house. So um, I feel bad. But yeah, the, the son has, and what, anyone who has a baby knows that they, the baby is like, you know, the, the king or the queen of the house. <laughs> Indeed. I know that's how it was when my girls were younger and they still are. They're like the uh, princesses or, or I guess uh, mini queens now in the household. And um, so why do you like to run? How, how long have you been running? When did your running journey start? Uh, so I started in high school um, as a way to, it was twofold as a way to get out of gym class. Um, and also as a way to get into shape for the lacrosse season. So lacrosse, I'm from upstate New York. Um, so lacrosse up there is, is just everything. I mean, it's hockey and lacrosse is the breeding ground for it, it's the thing to do. So, um, I really was, I, I wasn't into sports at a young age and I thought, why don't I just start running as a senior to hopefully be better at lacrosse. And that also kicked me out of gym class, which is awesome. Um, so I joined the indoor team, um, I, you know, they kind of stick everyone on um, who joins for my, for my reasons, um, on the sprint squad, um, and it was very, very clear that I have no business sprinting from the very beginning. Um, so, I quickly transitioned to endurance, um, and mostly because I, I just really wanted to. I think I always had this intrinsic, burning desire to do that, um, and. I ended up rowing crew in college. And when I graduated from college, and by the way, I didn't run, I didn't do lacrosse because I liked running so much. Um, and so after college, um, after rowing for four years, I was hoping to continue rowing, but there's just too many logistics involved in that. And I signed up for a marathon. And so, um, you know, I, I ran a 344 after my first marathon um, on kind of packed training. Um, and I didn't even know what the Boston Marathon was. I didn't know what a BQ was. I didn't know anything. And back then, actually, the, the Boston qualifying time was 340. Um, so this was 2010. And um, I thought, oh, well, I, I, I bet I could maybe qualify if I, you know, worked hard. And the next year, I ended up running um, a 336. However, that was the year they brought the BQ time down to 335. So I missed out by a minute. And, oh. you know, again... Yeah, but you know, I it was such a big progression from 344 to 336 that I was like so happy anyway. Um, and then the next time I, I decided to run a marathon, I um was like, you know what, I'm just gonna hire a coach and and really do it because the other couple of times I had kind of gone back into you know party mode in between marathons. I really wasn't a runner, like I enjoyed these marathons, but in between the marathons, I would just kind of like let myself go. Um and so finally I hired a coach and he said, all right, I need six months of your time. We're just going to do it. And I did it. I committed for six months and worked my butt off. Um, and I ran a 323 um, after six months of hard work. And um, that was in 2013. And I, um, my, my coach at the end of that said, do you want to go back to your other lifestyle of 
working too hard, partying too hard, or do you want to keep running? And I thought about it for a week and I said, I think I have to keep running. I just have changed everything. So that six months of, of qualifying for the Boston Marathon totally changed my entire life. And um, it just, it showed me this side of a sport that I had never experienced before, even in high school. Um, so I was hooked and I ran Boston in 2014 and haven't really looked back since lots of injuries along the way, but um, it's been a really fun ride. And so for me, running is a way to achieve goals. And just, I love that process of training. I love the fact that like goals really can be endless if you really put your mind to it, a way to keep myself better every day. So I love sharing that gift with other people as a coach. The cool thing about coaching is you work with a myriad of people. So you know, their why can differ quite a bit from mine, um, especially in a season like COVID. I'm happy as a clam not racing. I, I really just enjoy the training and going out there and grinding. And some people I coach need the validation of a race. Um, so it's been an interesting year of learning about different personalities. And, um, you know, I think coaches and runners alike will will be able to leave COVID much, much stronger mentally and physically, because we will have just kind of figured out why we're really showing up every day. No, thank you for sharing. And I think you bring up a lot of great points there and, and what running can do. And there might be some beginner runners uh, listening to this right now. And I think Mary, you know, you, you kind of shared a story that I think many runners who have been doing it for years have seen that kind of evolution and, and what running really has done for their lives. And I know, you know, similar to you is just like to kind of challenge yourself, right. And the competitive aspect. So for me, I feel like running is that sport that we can do as we get into middle age and be able to actually age somewhat gracefully as we get older and continually challenge ourselves. Just like, you know, if we played a high school sport or a college sport or any type of competitive atmosphere, that running is that element that you can still, you know, be able to compete. And like you mentioned, you know, usually we're competing at our local road races. And this year with COVID, uh, many of those have been canceled. So like I only ran one in-person race all year, a couple of virtual races, but it, it is still a way to kind of challenge you mentally, physically. Um, and we know that it improves all other aspects of our lives, right? And so thank you for mm -hmm. sharing that. And yeah, so you, you mentioned COVID and how you feel like it's kind of made you mentally stronger. I guess my question to you is, when everything went down uh, in the spring of 2020, how did you do it initially? It seems like you've really kind of come full circle right now and have, have seen the benefits and the growth. Was it difficult in the beginning for someone who, like yourself, um, really kind of challenges yourself at that high level of performance? And I know you work with a lot of high-level athletes and runners. Um, take me back kind of back to the spring. And then if you can kind of bring it full circle and how you're reflecting now on, on kind of how the year went. I mean, in the spring, it was just panic, you know, and it's just, it's like one of those, I think we're all going to need some therapy <laughs> in a few years. Um, because I think, you know, it, for me, it was the first, the first thing. And I laugh about my attitude now, but the first thing to go was the New York city half. And as a coach, it was like, you know, getting on the phone with my athletes or making sure that they were okay with the cancellation. Um, and then quickly after New York City half was Boston. And so then it went from shifting, like, you know, we didn't know the end, like with, 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 
with uncertainty comes fear and anxiety. And so there was an abundance of that. So it went from people having the best training of their lives. And personally, I've, I've kind of been, I kind of just marched to the beat of my own drum. So I won't necessarily use myself as an example, but, and I also was, I I've been building up. I had a baby, like I mentioned 16 months ago. So, um, I wasn't personally looking to race at all. So, you know, I couldn't necessarily um, empathize directly with, with my athletes. So, you know, I, it stinks to put in so much hard work and then not be able to see that that happen and come to fruition in a race setting. So first was like, you know, assuaging all the panic and then shifted to like, all right, well, what's what's next? And like, we've all used that word pivot a million times. So it went from pivoting from, you know, high mileage or whatever the, the training intention was down to, okay, well, maybe fall races will happen. And so, you know, we kind of throughout the summer, there was some glimmer of hope and then quickly everyone realized that wouldn't happen either. So I would say first was kind of like dealing with the mental side of things. And then it was like figuring out how to pick up the, the training pieces. And so the training piece has been really, um, honestly great for, for most people because it's turned into this time of just enjoying the process, which is like my thing. <laughs> and, um, and, and I really do believe in that. And I think if you go out and just, you know, not every run, not every workout is going to be rainbows and butterflies, but if you go out and just put in the best effort you have on any given day and, you know, pace doesn't even matter. Pace can actually be quite limiting. And so if you just go out there and run by effort and enjoy the run that you're in, there's actually a lot of progress and significance that can be made of that. So, um, you know, from a periodization standpoint and from just like overall programming, it's changed to a obviously long-term perspective and um, people and athletes have been able to focus on other things like the mile, 5K, 10K, um, and just have fun turning over their legs where I really think when people get back to racing, it's going to be incredible because nobody's ever really taken so much time to work on the the fast side of things and that type of polarization and training is how you get better and it's scary because it means you have to stop and so for many people they needed a pandemic to make them stop their normal cadence of like one or two marathons a year um so yeah training has been quite different for many people but most of my athletes are really kind of enjoying it enjoying just staying there i think people are starting to get a little bit antsier they want races um, they want to validate their fitness. Um, but you know, this is where time trials come in. There's nothing wrong with getting to, to a track. And I went to a track last weekend and ran 25 laps because why not? Um, I wanted to see what, what I could run in a 10 K and you know, it's, it's a time to do these weird things because why I, I literally woke up Saturday and I was like, why not? You know, might as well just try the worst I do is stop after two miles. And I, I didn't. So I think that's an attitude we can all take moving forward, even when it's not a pandemic, because it's, it's just running. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think I did see you post that. Was that a PR for you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't think anyone really runs a lot of 10 Ks in life because um, they're so horrible, but yes, it was a uh, over two minute PR. So um, that's I was amazing. Very happy with it. Yeah. That's amazing. Congrats. And thank you. I think you, you bring up a lot of, uh, good points on focusing on kind of the process and enjoying running again. And yeah, I'm not even going to lie. You know, I definitely missed the races, um, this year, but 
it is a little less stressful um, not having each of those and those events, so to speak. Um, so again, just trying to make, you know, lemonade out of lemons and, and being able to focus on our weak points and trying to improve in those areas, I think is important. So now we are, it's Thanksgiving Eve. We're the end of November here. Temperatures are starting to drop. It's this morning for my run, it was uh, 30 degrees and things are starting to get a little chilly. So over these next couple of months here for us in Connecticut and those in colder uh, climates, it's going to be getting cold. So Mary, is it bad for us to run out in the cold? Definitely not. I mean, I think everyone's going to have a little bit of a different tolerance based on where they live and what they're acclimated to. Um, so being, it's not bad to run in the cold though. I would, I would put a cap on the sub 20 degrees, sub 15 degrees, um, as a, as a kind of a limiting point. Like I, I probably would, would choose a treadmill over going outside. Um, if it got to be that cold, um, the other thing to consider is if you are going to do any type of speed work or quality work, um, you want to probably stay away, especially if it's that cold, um, because a, you know, from a performance perspective, your muscles might not necessarily be firing as they would if it was, you know, ideal running temperatures. Um, the other thing is your your lungs might have a, I, I think there's a little less oxygen in the air. So your, your lungs are gonna have a bit of a harder time to literally breathe. Um, so in terms of like picking the days that you choose to do a, a fast workout, um, you just wanna be a little bit choosier about that. Um, and know that the treadmill is an awesome training tool. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Obviously, a lot of gyms are closed or if they're open, you have to run with a with a mask on. Um, but if you have the option to train with a treadmill, it's a really, really great training tool. So, um, you know, don't be scared of the cold by any means. Um, but for sure, you want to tailor what you're doing outside when it gets bitter um, and then dress appropriately fuel appropriately. It's very common to think you don't need food and water if you're going on a long run in the cold, but um, you actually will burn more fuel um, if it's cold because your body's trying to warm itself up. So you want to eat like normal, drink like normal. Um, and then also, of course, watch footing. So if it's icy, snowy, um, rainy, slick, you just want to be careful about that. Yeah. So that's some great points you bring up there. And in terms of I guess first question, and then we'll get into the footing question because I definitely have some uh, questions um, going down that route. I know you mentioned the treadmill. Um, so muscle function is definitely different on a treadmill with obviously the tread kind of propelling you backwards. I feel like you don't need to use your hamstrings as much to kind of propel yourself forward. Um, what benefits do you see in your runners um, for doing treadmill work? I guess what is kind of the secret sauce, if you will, or, you know, what, what are you focusing on if you have your runners um, do some work on the treadmill? Yeah, so the you know the research does point that treadmill running isn't the same as uh, not necessarily exactly the same as above ground running, but the the carries carryovers are very similar. Um, I I think you know there's myths about like the treadmill being bad for your knees or you know to your point yeah I guess there's less posterior chain activation, but um, the the you know, most research does say that they're very, very similar. So I think like, don't, I think if what you have is a treadmill, that's a great thing. That isn't something like, you know, you should feel bad about um, if that's your only training option um, because it's actually the carryovers from a fitness perspective is, is you know, almost linear. Um, and that said, 
in terms of how to focus on on things to work on there, I mean, you can really, I would really push the, the effort on the treadmill because not all treadmills are calibrated the same. Um, you know, you might feel like you're running a, a fast pace for you um, and the treadmill doesn't say so. And you, you have to trust your body over, over whatever the treadmill is spitting out. So the treadmill lies <laughs> for sure. Um, technology lies quite a bit. Um, you know, obviously if you can get it calibrated, that would be, that would be great. But if it's not just go by effort and don't, don't be hard on yourself. People can be really caught up with, um, you know, I, I feel like it's just so hard or like, it's not matching up to my Garmin pace. And, you know, just if anything, just run by effort, just give yourself grace on the treadmill. Um, the other thing to, to mention is that the research does say that if uh, because of the lack of airflow, treadmill running could be a little bit harder than running outside. So like, if you do think it's harder, maybe could be. So if you're trying to do a speed workout on a treadmill, um, you know, effort is best. Sure, try your try your normal paces, but effort is usually key. Um, and then in terms of, I know there's a myth about putting your treadmill to a 1% incline to quote unquote mimic outside running. Um, again, the research points to that only being um, applicable at pretty, at top speeds. Um, and so, you know, I typically tell my athletes if they're doing a workout and it's a top speed for them, um, then yes, perhaps put the incline up to 0.5 or 1%. But if, if you're just doing easy miles, there's no need to, to put that incline up. Oh, great points. Great points. Indeed. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah. And I think really my takeaway from that is that if it's an option of not running versus running on the treadmill and you have access to a treadmill, then definitely get your run in on a treadmill. Just think about that your outcomes or your expectations may be a little bit different than what you were planning on, you know, if you were, were running outside. So I think that's going to be very helpful for some to kind of get some runs in uh, during these cold months um, in the winter. So if we are going to be going outside, though, what do you recommend for um, what we should wear? Um, do you have any kind of tips for running in the cold? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I would probably I, I typically break it down into 10 degree increments, starting at like the 40 to 50 range. Again, it's going to depend on you. And if you are a person that runs a little hot, then, um, you know, know that going in. Um, the other rule of thumb is that first mile should feel pretty chilly. And that's essentially a positive thing. Um, so if you go out and you're already kind of hot in your first two to five minutes in, then you are probably overdressed. Um, but I would typically say between 40 and 50 degrees, you're looking at probably shorts. Um, I'm a short person, but shorts with a long sleeve and gloves, um, between 30 and 40, you're looking at like capris with a long sleeve, maybe a base tank. That's a big thing for me is the base tank. Um, so making sure that your core is warm. Um, there are brands that sell wool base tanks. There is just something about wool. It's a very, um, I mean, it wicks the sweat away. Um, so again, like, you know, Cold running 101, you definitely don't want to go out there in a cotton t-shirt or cotton shirt. Um, the, you, you want something that's gonna wick the sweat away. I really recommend wool because when you do sweat on it, it doesn't turn cold. Um, and so when you have something like a base tank and a wool base tank, it sounds counterintuitive, but trust me on this. Um, it can actually keep you pretty warm. Um, obviously ear warmer and gloves. Um, if you buy more expensive coveted pieces, um, like a 
you know, nice gloves from uh, like a, you know, a mainstream running brand. Um, you can use those year after year. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with the dollar gloves at the gas station. Those are actually amazing too. Um, but, um, you know, it's always kind, of, always kind of nice to be able to touch your phone with the fancier gloves. Um, and then if you get a little colder, I mean, between 20 and 30 pants, jacket, something underneath that, um, that's probably when you want to start thinking about bringing in a gator, especially now when you, it's probably best to cover your face when you're passing someone with COVID. Um, and below 20, you know, I like to stay inside. <laughs> I'm a weenie. Um, but anything brush fleece is amazing. Um, and the other secret that you need to think about is spandex shorts under your tights. So there's anything you remember from this podcast, you need a base tank, preferably wool and spandex shorts under your tights to warm your butt up. It works wonders. And if it's really, really cold, then like high compression socks, spandex shorts under tights, you, you can thank me later. Oh my goodness. I, I need to try that. Cause I always, uh, notice that I never have hot cross buns, but I got some cold yeah. buns, uh, yeah. when, it, when it is under 20, I've always wondered that. And I never understood it because I'm like, the glutes are such, it's our biggest muscle we have. And it, it's actually like a very meaty muscle and has a lot of blood flow. Yeah. So I'm like, why does it get cold? Shouldn't it like stay warm? And nope. I'm going to need to try that tip out and think about a base layer shorts to go under my compression mm -hmm. pants um, mm -hmm. in the winter. I need to try that out because definitely the glutes are like the first thing to get cold. Mm -hmm. And I love your tip about um, no cotton. So again, for those beginner runners, like don't go out in your cotton hoodie, your you know high school or college hoodie um, that's cotton because it's just going to get wet and sweat and you can't wick away. So think layers. And I know um, uh, Glenn's here on the live on Facebook here. He's uh, watching from Norfolk, uh, Connecticut. Icebox of Connecticut. Uh, he <laughs> says number one tip for running is layers. Um, just give a little shout out to Jean's here on the live. Patricia's here. Diane's here on the live. Thank you for tuning in. Bonnie is here on the live. Thanks for tuning in. And Marcus and Ashley are all uh, here as well. So thank you guys for tuning in um, to this episode. And so think layers, guys. And I love how you broke that down in your 10 degree increments. I thought that was pretty <laughs> awesome. Um, I think that's super helpful. And yeah, unfortunately, you guys need to check the temperature before you go out there. Because especially like now, you know, November, it's like things can fluctuate. And I think it's going to get warmer again this weekend. So then mm -hmm. it's back to like the shorts and no winter hat. And so make sure you check the temperature when you go out. So let's talk about footwear a little bit. So what do we what should we wear if it is a little bit icy out there? Um, or even like snow running, do you usually have people wear different types of running sneakers? Yeah, I mean, footing is most important. So you wanna be careful. You wanna make sure you're not going to compromise anything um, with your footing um, because even, you know, I was noticing a few weeks ago, it was raining like three days in a row and I was doing speed workouts and I was, my, my back started bothering me because I just was, I, I didn't have the traction that I normally have. Um, and as soon as the rain dried up, I noticed a major difference. My back pain went away and, you know, I do have a history of back issues, but, um, I think it's significant that I noticed it just from some, some slick rainy ground, you know what I mean? That's not even ice. Um, so I would say be really mindful, especially if you are prone to having, uh, an injury, um, because you don't know how you're going to overcompensate, um, in, in slick conditions. So if when in doubt, bag the workout, bag the run, figure out something else to do. 
um, you know, you can use something like yak tracks or screw in nuts um, or these little bolts at the at the bottom of your of your shoe. I have to admit, I have never done that one. Um, there's a million YouTube uh, tutorials on how to screw in screws at the bottom of your shoes. So I'm gonna refer you there. I've used yak tracks. Um, they work for me. I probably wouldn't run miles and miles and miles on them um, because I'm sure your mechanics are not the same as they typically would be. Um, but yak tracks is a really good solution for super snowy um, conditions. Um, you know, I also know some people that go running in trail shoes when it's really bad. I think there's some validity to that too. Um, and yeah, otherwise just be careful and then just give yourself a little bit of grace um, because you can't really predict what's going to happen in the in the winter. So if, if you go out there and it's slick and you can't get the run that you intended on getting in, then turn around, shuffle your week, talk to your coach and, um, you know, just keep looking forward. Yeah, no, those are all uh, good points. And I think safety is first and foremost, you definitely don't want to take a digger out on the ice. Um, I personally am more notorious for going out there uh, no matter what temperature or weather condition. So I've literally have run on my street to get out to like the main road where stuff is plowed. Um, and it's like a sheet of ice. And I've literally shuffled my feet for a half a mile <laughs> to get out to the main road that's usually clear and get sunlight. Um, but it is, you need to go slow and you need to really watch your footing because you don't want to fall on ice, guys. Um, you don't want to be injured and not be able to run. So definitely go out there, uh, think about safety. I like your tips for uh, the yak tracks or, you know, adding, I know there are a bunch of people in the healthy runner community who have posted that before, um, who have used uh, those shoes before that help with their footing. Um, some recommended even like they're basically their old running sneakers, right? So once you're up to your miles, and for those that don't know, by the way, you should be replacing your running sneakers, depending upon weight usage, all that stuff, 300 to 400 miles. Um, but, you know, take your last running sneakers and, and add those to the bottom and then go and use those uh, for an icy run um, to get some more traction. So besides running, Mary, um, what, what do you recommend for your runners um, to focus on really during this kind of next training block? Really like, you know, looking at these kind of dark days of winter, um, the next three months, um, what are you having your runners focus on during this time period? Um, I, you know, I, right now is a good time to work on the weaknesses, um, such as nutrition, strength training, um, also accountability. If somebody, you know, needs to be getting in early morning runs and they just haven't been able to, now is a good time to work on those low hanging fruits, um, that, are always kind of there. Um, but you know, it, it, and you knew if you focused on them, you could probably be a little bit better and stronger. Um, and I would also say, you know, if you haven't had a chance to shut down from training, now is a great time to do that. Uh, especially with the holidays, you know, everyone's busy, everyone's got stuff going on. So, um, it is important to back off from training either. No, I would say no running for a week or even the option of doing what I like to dose to my athletes, um, an aerobic week where you're basically just running easy for a week, um, at the same mileage that you typically do, um, or even a little bit more, but again, it's all about physical and mental motivation at this point. Um, and for sure, strength training is something that, you know, I don't even think now I wouldn't classify it as like, now is the time to do strength training. I, I think strength training is just part of training period. 
So if it's not part of your training, now is kind of the time to reshape your the mental space that it, that it holds in there for you. And remember that it will make you a stronger runner. There's a, quite a bit of significance if you can manage to keel back your running now, emphasize the strength training, and then get back to your running. And you know, after maybe a four to eight week week cycle of heavy strength training, um, most runners are afraid to do that. But I will tell you from personal experience that honing in on heavy lifting will do nothing but amazing things for your running when you finally do pick it up. Um, myself, I, I focused on um, heavy strength training after having a baby a year ago, totally thinking that I might not ever see running again just because of just postpartum issues and um, previous running injuries and what I gained from the experience of reeling back any hope of running and throwing out expectations and, and honing in on three days a week of heavy lifting was, you know, now the, the season of my life PRs, like we were talking about earlier. Um, and then, um, I'm, I'm stronger than I've ever been. I'm, you know, knock on wood injury free. I've never felt so good before. Like I, I'm not only P the last time I was PRing, I felt very broken and, um, somewhat injured in the process. And I, I don't feel that way at all. Um, I used to, you know, I, I, this is sustainable where, where I've found. Um, so it's, it's a side of training that a lot of runners have a hard time swallowing because, you know, runners like to run, runners don't really like strength training. Um, but, um, if you can start doing a periodized strength training program, it will do nothing but amazing things for your running. Absolutely. It will definitely make you more resilient in the process, as you mentioned, and help prevent injuries. And for those of you who have been listening for a while, you know, my motto is train in order to run, specifically strength train. And that is such an important pillar in staying healthy as a runner. And I think, you know, from your aspect, Mary, it really seems that, I, you know, I've been following your content for a while. Um, by the way, Mary has an amazing Instagram account. So you guys need to check that out. She posts some really great exercise videos on there as well. Some great strength exercises and um, from a performance aspect, right? So ha have you found that to be a performance enhancer for many of the runners that you do implement? Maybe you have that kind of cross-country athlete, um, Maybe they did high school, college, and they really didn't do much strength training. They're like a legit runner, like super high mileage um, during the week. And then you implement strength training into their program or training. Can you talk a little bit about kind of what the benefits um, have been for them? Yeah. I mean, one woman in particular, she wasn't a you know runner from high school or college. Like she's, I would say an adult runner, um, came to running a little bit later in life. And she, we've been working together now for four years and she has, she was at the point where things were just popping up, you know, soft tissue things, Achilles, hip, knee, like just random things. And she listened to me and she totally reeled in the running, just pulled back um, and then shifted to that model I was talking about where you're really working on a strength and hypertrophy based strength program. And what do you know? two to three months later, her Achilles problems are basically non-existent. Um, and she is, I, I wouldn't say she's running stronger and better than ever because we're getting there. Um, but we're now re, re, we're redosing the running in on top of that. And now she's balancing the most volume she's ever done in her life because she's lifting three days a week. She is hitting these speed workouts that, you know, she was kind of struggling to hit before and she's healthy. And so all of these issues that she had before 
are no longer there. And it's not just her, there's other people um, that I've seen as well who just never really did the lifting. And so I think lifting can be kind of a scary place to, to be really. Um, and, and when you know, I talk about like heavy lifting and heavy strength training and just learning the skill of lifting heavy takes time. And that's why it's, it really is a commitment to, to incorporate strength training into your running. It's not just like, all right, I'm gonna do one day a week of strength training. It's like strength training is now part of my routine. I must get it in, in order to run period, the end. Mm -hmm. So if you start with bands and body work, body weight, that's a great place to go. Remember that there is a limit to that because the body adapts. So there is a point at which your body is going to need extra load, i.e. a weight, a dumbbell, a kettlebell. But I think knowing that the barrier to entry is actually really low, like just getting, giving yourself a band in your basement and just going for it could actually do a lot. But remember, it's about consistency. It's about doing a routine that you know you'll actually get in. And then when it's time to change into something that is a little bit more progressive and lift a little bit more weights, um, that you you do that. And if that means you, you need to ask a coach for help, then you should, um, because we don't know it all, especially something like strength training. That is very foreign for a lot of us. So the other thing to know is that progress in strength training isn't defined by poundage. Progress in strength training can be defined by improving form, improving range of motion, being able to take on more cumulative volume. Um, so that is poundage, but like, you know, you could be at the same weight, but also have a better range of motion in the lift itself. And that's a big deal. So while it's not as linear as we would like as lifting, as, um, as running is, you know, we can kind of see our pace get faster with running. Um, there's a lot of opportunity. And I think it, it does get a little addicting because when you start feeling like an athlete, this is the, this is really your goal should not necessarily be a fast runner. You should want to be an athlete. And I will promise if you commit to becoming an athlete, the running will follow that. But number one needs to be about moving better, feeling better, and just feeling stronger, especially as you get older as, as a runner. Oh man, that was just so much gold in there. So much gold. I love it. I love it. I could listen to you talk about that all day long because that is definitely um, what I see in a lot of the injured runners that I work with um, is the key ingredient that's missing. And I actually just had two runners in this morning in the clinic. And, you know, you think about those common running related injuries. I know you mentioned Achilles, plantar fasciitis, hamstring tendinopathy. Um, all of those respond to loading those tissues, loading the tendons, building up strength, building up resiliency. That's how we heal from these injuries. And that is also the secret sauce at preventing those injuries from occurring. So I had the pleasure of seeing someone virtually, you know, across the globe today and same thing, tendon issue and, you know, just virtually getting him on a loading program and progressively building up the strength and resiliency in the tissues um, can go a long way. And then remember that rehab, so to speak, becomes the prehab. And then I also mm -hmm. love how you mentioned that, you know, body weight training, band work is a great starting point. And I find that's sometimes people want to jump from going from like nothing and all right, let's, let's be honest, right? New Year's right. is coming up. Like people are going to make resolutions. They're going to get into strength training exercise and which I love, I love, I love, I love that people are motivated. They're going to start like everyone starts at their own place, right? Not everyone has been working out for 10 years, for 20 years, three times a week. Right. And they have a different background, but 
it is important to note that there are um, there's a place for these kind of what we call like muscle activation exercise to make sure you're using the muscles correctly. Like you talked about movement patterns and just making sure that you're moving correctly. I think all of those are like essential before jumping to box jumps, for instance, right? Everyone sees like the latest, you know, coolest exercise on social media and they like go from doing nothing to doing now box jumps, which are literally mm -hmm. the hardest level of plyometric training. So you have to build up in stages and phases. And I love how you highlighted that it's a process and it takes time and it takes consistency and you will see results, but it's that long-term consistency, just like with running, um, that you're going to see those. Benefits. Well, you wouldn't start, you wouldn't just start running, you know, you wouldn't just start running five days a week next week, you know, and strength training is similar. It is a skill learning how to, how to push yourself in a different way is a skill. And it's one that if you really embrace it, you can, you can keep learning. I mean, I, I'm literally, I'm actually going through a plyometric phase myself because like we're talking about, it's time to get stronger for 2021. And I'm finding myself learning how to actually use the fast twitch muscle fibers and move faster, which for an endurance athlete is very difficult. So don't get discouraged. Um, again, like working with people can help a lot. Um, those who, who, who know the skill, you know, that's why you, that's why you pay a coach. Cause they know a little bit more than you. But the point is, is that like, you know, you're always learning and it isn't just, I think lifting is simple. So I don't want the, the takeaway to be like, oh my gosh, it's the scary thing that I don't know where to start. Cause I hear that a lot too. So many people don't know where to start. But the other thing is that, you know, you have to learn and you're never really stop. You, you'll never really stop learning. And if you can embrace that, really the sky's the limit for, from that perspective. So, I mean, keep that in mind. And, and, and if, instead of it being the worst part of your training, just make sure it's part of the training. You don't have to love it, you know, <laughs> but you do, you should embrace it somewhat because it also means that the more, the more consistent training cycles you can string together, the faster you're going to be. That's just science. So like, why would you not want to continually progressing it faster as opposed to getting injured every six to eight months because you're slacking at it? Absolutely. Food, food for thought. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. This is awesome. And yeah, I agree with you about the plyometrics. Um, for me, that's my time to really, and each year, each winter, like always January, I start plyometric training again and I'll, you know, cycle it in basically for like a progression for three to four months. And then once I start, you know, my first half marathon in the spring and then really higher mileage in the summer and really kind of push the running up, I, I back off the plyometric exercise just because as we're getting older, right, there's only so much strain that the body can take. So, but this is like prime time guys. If you don't know what jump training is, plyometric training, like running is plyometric in nature. So you leave the ground and you land on the ground each and every step you take when you run. So you need to train your muscles in a plyometric fashion as Mary is talking about. So this is amazing. We could probably talk strength training like for an hour, but I do want to <laughs> kind of get on to another question that I had. Um, for you. And really, it's just really switching gears a little bit to mindset in winter and with darker days, um, cold outside. How do you recommend runners stay motivated when it is dark and cold outside? So I really, I encourage a lot of people I work with to follow three pieces of three guidelines. Number one, block out your schedule. So it's, it is, it's colder, it's harder. It's, 
just sucks to run when it's really cold. I, I know some people love it. I, like I mentioned earlier, I'm a weenie. Um, but block out your schedule. Don't give yourself excuses. No, so number two, don't skip it. So once you have it in your schedule, get out there, do it. Sure, let yourself be 10 minutes late to your blocked event, especially now with COVID. I think having this type of structure is really important. If you can meet up with a friend, you know, so far, you know, be, be safe. Um, but what we're learning about COVID is, you know, typically outdoor transmission is pretty low. So if you're comfortable, meet up with a friend. This morning I got out the door at eight o'clock and I never would have done that if it wasn't for my friend. So like meet up with a friend. And then number three- Eight o'clock is once, late. <laughs> yeah, I'm- I'm, I'm out the there at five. <laughs> I know, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm the opposite. So I'm up until, uh, so I, it's funny, Dwayne the other day said, hey, what time do you want to meet, what time do you want to chat? And I said, eight. And he said, okay, 8 a.m. I said, no, p.m. Um, so I'm, I'm the other end. I realize I'm the like black sheep here. Most people, particularly runners are like five and 6 a.m. people. I am the person who is up until 11, 12 p.m. Um, I just, I'm wired that way. You know, there's a, mm -hmm. there's a New York Times article that talked about how people are literally intrinsically either night people or morning people. Um, so I'm, I've, I've tried to fight it I thought I would change when I had a kid but it didn't change I'm just a night person I'm up and I I actually function very well at 11 o'clock at night um so anyway I'll fight any morning person I know there's people who say no you're actually like crisp and awake at five and six in the morning so you should do your work then and I will fight those people because that is not true <laughs> for me anyway so the last tip about um getting out there when it's dark and cold is that once it's done and I would, I would put this tip in the box of like, no matter what season it is, um, just be done with it. You know, like take that, take that training session, wrap it up in a little box and put it to the side because you don't want to be thinking about your training all day, every day. That's, that's taking up brain space that you don't need to give it. Um, so block out the schedule, go do it when you say you're going to do it. And then when you're done, be done with it. Do your stretching, jump in the shower, think about your run, update your training log, update your Strava, and then move on. And I think that that the number three is really important for those of us who want to dwell on paces, dwell on runs, dwell on workouts. Um, just let it go. Let it be. Finish that run and move on. Be present for the rest of the day. Nice. So just kind of once oh. it's done, it's done. Yeah. And one, one other thing for winter in particular, allow yourself to have gimmies. So like split it up. If, if, doing half of it inside on a treadmill, half of your run outside will get you out the door because it's two different environments. Go with it. You know, just go with, um, if, if you have a track, like, it, I mean, no one has an indoor track available right now, but like, if you have an opportunity to give yourself a little bit of a gimme like that, um, then, then totally do it. I I'm a fan of the, like, I'll get, I'll do this. If I split up half on half on the treadmill, half outside. Um, I don't know, for some reason it just makes it mentally better. Like that's kind of why I met my friend. My friend only had 30 minutes this morning and I was going out for 10 miles and I was like, whatever, I'll go with you anyway, because a it got me out the door and B I had 30 minutes of a great conversation and then spent the rest of the run listening to a podcast. Yep. So nice. it up. Absolutely. Variety. I love it. I love it. So we're getting to the final stretch of the show here. So if you could change one thing about the misconception of running during the winter, what would that be? I think that if you're a person that hates winter training, you're looking at one. Um, it, it really is all about attitude and, you know, 
positivity really is everything. So no matter what the season that you prefer, whether it's winter or summer, remember that your attitude dictates everything. So if you just even approach the season, you're like, this is going to be terrible, then it will be terrible. And if you approach it with, well, we're going to make the most of this, you know, I'm sure there will be some days, but like, I'm going to take it for what it is. You're probably going to do a hell of a lot better than the person who approached it with the preconceived notion of this is going to suck. Um, so, you know, make sure you're, you, you know what your goals are and proceed accordingly. I like it. I like it. And so in this episode, we really got into um, a lot about winter running and we talked about um, how to dress for winter. We talked about, is it really bad for us to run out in the cold? And I, uh, Mary talked about that. It's really not bad necessarily, but it might change your performance. Definitely performance standpoint, just like running in the hot, humid weather is going to affect your performance. Running in the bitterly cold temperatures will definitely affect your performance. So just adjusting your goals and your expectations. I think for me, I definitely took that away. And you shared with us some uh, secrets on how to dress for the cold, what type of footwear, um, as well as really the importance of focusing on strength training um, and, and getting in consistent training during the winter. You talked about plyometric training, as well as how we can improve our mindset. Um, so I'm sure there are many runners who learned something today and would like to learn more. Um, how can they learn more and find out more about you and run, lift and perform? Yeah, so um, I'm most active on Instagram. Um, my personal Instagram is it's a marathon, um, and my business Instagram is Lift Run Perform. Um, so our business website is liftrunperform.com. Um, I sometimes, on occasion, blog, um, and so I have it's a marathon.com. Um, but yeah, if you ever have any questions or um, want to follow along or anything, um, feel free to reach out. And as I mentioned before, you should definitely check out Mary's Instagram. Um, she shares some great content on there. And this week, guys, I am super pumped um, to announce something that's been a long time coming. Uh, so when many folks join the Healthy Runner Facebook community, I get the question all the time, what specific exercises should I be doing? Um, I've shared like tons of exercises, either on Instagram, Facebook, within our Healthy Runner community. We have a topics tab for those that don't know, um, where you can just check out the topic of strengthening exercises, stretching exercise, warm up exercises, or core exercises in there. Um, so I've worked individually with many runners in the past, and now I'm excited to launch a brand new program. Uh, so if you're looking to improve your confidence and strength for running, and you're not sure what to do, and you want to take the guesswork out of all of the benefits that Mary talked about today. Um, I've been working in the lab very uh, hard these last three weeks, and it's really been something that's been nine months in the making since uh, COVID actually uh, hit. So uh, if you guys want to jump on the wait list um, to be the first to find out when this new Healthy Runner Strength Program uh, for dedicated runners, um, so you don't have to wonder what to do for your workouts this winter and maintain your sanity for your runs. Uh, those who are listening to us on Facebook, just type in wait list into the comment box. And those listening on the podcast, just check out the link in the show notes um, where you can jump on the wait list and learn a little bit more about this program to see if it is a good fit for you. Um, 
so guys, if you found this talk helpful at all, and a lot of the tips that Mary shared, um, I know I learned some things on this uh, podcast as well. And if you're watching on Facebook, just hit that like, hit the love button, show some Mary some love for taking her time out on uh, Thanksgiving Eve to kind of share her knowledge, share her experience um, with our running community. Um, we appreciate her taking the time out of her day um, to really allow us to be able to run during this, these colder wet weather, uh, temperatures and this crazy, uh, COVID experience that we're all going through. So thank you again, Mary, for, uh, taking the time to educate us all. Thank you for having me. It was a great conversation. I hope you have a great Thanksgiving. Yes, you as well, and uh, to your family. And thank you guys for those that listened on the Facebook Live, um, listening on the podcast, or those of you who caught the replay on our Spark Your Training YouTube channel. Um, remember, every Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we go live within the Healthy Runner Facebook group. So keep us in mind in your schedule so you can get your questions answered. This Monday night, we are actually going to be doing a deep dive live training on what are the best exercises to actually improve your running. So you, be sure to check out the event within our Healthy Runner Facebook group. Um, we're going to be also having a double doozy next week. We're going to be bringing on representatives from Garmin to talk about if Garmin is a good watch for you to invest in. Um, holidays are coming up. Some might be wishing that uh, during the holiday season. So we're going to be asking them the most common questions about Garmin uh, watches and which one is the right fit for you, as well as talking about explaining pain in runners. So that's another topic we have coming on within the next couple of weeks. So check that out within our Healthy Runner Facebook group. And those will be the next couple of episodes that you're listening to on the podcast. So thanks again, guys. Remember, stay active, stay healthy, and just keep running. Until next time. Hey, wait a minute. Just to let you guys know, much of what you heard on this episode is delivered live within our Healthy Runner free Facebook group. So head over to there to request to join our community in which you will have access to the video version of this episode and so many bonus features, including blog article references and YouTube video links, as well as me answering your specific running related questions. Also, we are closing in on 50 reviews on iTunes, which I am super pumped about given we're only six months into this podcast journey together. So to help me get there, the first thing you need to do is you have to subscribe to the sucker, whether it is Apple iTunes that you're listening to this or whatever platform you are on. The next thing is make sure you leave a review. I love to hear what you have to say and I read all of them and it means a lot to me. The last thing, guys, is take a screenshot of whatever episode you're listening to and put it on your stories on Instagram and tag me. That's at Spark Your Training. If you do this, I will repost it. So you'll get a bump, I'll get a bump, and most importantly, we will share this information with a lot more runners because that is the goal, guys. We want to get this information in front of as many runners as possible to help them be healthy and stay on the road doing what they love. So take a screenshot, share it on Instagram stories, and tag me in it. Let's try and get to 50 reviews on the podcast. Thanks for listening.